Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Mostly Horror early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Taking these things, uh, like I don't know, senior year of high school. <laughs> it's rare that you say that and someone says, I don't know. Like, everyone's yeah. like, normally like, like, it's their fucking zodiac, right? Like, they're like ready to I, say, dude, it. I don't know. That's my whole thing, is I don't know. Like, I, I was telling people on TikTok and on my podcast for like this entire year, I'm like, as a 36 year old, and then my wife one day at the beach was like, Oh, by the way, you know, you're 35, right? And I was like, <laughs> What? I have to be 36 <laughs> two years in a row. <laughs> Welcome to Mostly Horror Movie. No, <laughs> that's how uh, it should begin. That's good. <laughs> we can we can begin with that if you guys want. Listen, well, you got to say uh, the thing. You got to do well, it. Welcome to Mostly Horror Movie Nights. <laughs> You're Steve. <laughs> you, you didn't say the mostly. Oh, yeah. Mostly. You're right. There we go. I'm Steve. That's Sean. We are joined today by our friend Josh. Josh, mm-hmm. uh, you may know him from his uh, TikTok account, Haunting Season. Is it a haunting season? The haunting season? Just haunting season. Just haunting season. There is yeah. no prefix or whatever that would be called. Uh, but Josh has a a very great horror platform uh, within which he talks about, you know, films in general in the horror sphere and and everything in between. So. We have Josh on. Josh, thank you for being on the show today. First and foremost, we appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Hell yeah. yeah. We've uh, <laughs> yeah. Sean and I have talked about getting you on for a little bit, um, and we're stoked to kind of, A, talk about the path that you've taken and where you started with the genre and what you do now, and then also just kind of go over some things in horror that are going on at the moment, because as we talked about uh, in our previous conversation with Phil Nobile from... Fangoria, there's so much going on with horror. So mm-hmm. I think that like this is like the best opportunity. Um yeah. Do yeah, we get started, yeah. Sean? What do you want to do? What do you I don't what, know? We can jump thinking? right into it, man. Uh Josh, I'm I'm curious from the get-go, 
what got you into the genre? That's sort of our starting question with any guests or anybody that we have on. So where I'm talking, let's take it back to childhood, those early moments, the ones that fucked you up and then the ones that really reeled you in. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking about this this morning and a lot of times I, I went on Sledgehammer Horror a little while ago about my, the first horror movie I ever saw and it was The Ring. Um, and okay. I, I guess the way my brain works, I, I'm like kind of discovering things about myself that have like just been not blocked out because it was traumatizing or anything. Just like, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about it this morning and something clicked and it was really that I got, um, I got into fear first. So my dad, when, uh, my brother and I were really little, we would like run to the bed at night and he would say, the weasels are going to get you. And I remember being terrified. I had no idea what weasels were. Um, but I, I assumed that they were horrible creatures. And so I'd run and jump onto my bed and it was like this fun, like scary thing. And, um, I grew up. Uh, going to my dad's a minister and uh, we had this like huge church where he was the minister and the basement of it had no windows. And while he, he would like bring my brother and I to church and we would like watch movies in one of the Sunday school rooms or something. Um, And this is like elementary school. And we, there would always come a certain point in the night where we'd be like, let's go in the basement. And it's, pitch black, like no windows, no light whatsoever. There's uh, two doors that had very narrow windows um, that would come from the hallway. And that's it. And once you're in the basement, it's pitch black. And we wouldn't like try and find the light switches or anything. We would just explore. And um, I remember like part of that church, they had a room that was called the dungeon that kids were not allowed to go in. And it was like this old wooden door in the middle of like the fellowship hall with like nice linoleum, well, nice linoleum floors. Um, (laughs) And it was like this old wooden door. And I remember seeing in it right before we left that church and there were like pits on either side of like a cement walkway. And I was a little kid. I think they were maybe like a foot deep and like there were mops in them or something. But to me, it was like this cavernous, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, like the catacombs or something. Oh, dude, I yeah. bet. I bet. Yeah. And so I got addicted to fear first and that that went through high school um, until the point where I met a couple of guys who were really interested in going to this old age home that had burnt down. Um, and so we went one night and I don't know if we broke in because the, you know, the fence was kind of pulled up and yeah. the door was You're kind smart. of open. Um, and we had statue of limitations, <laughs> yeah. um, but we had what I still to this day believe was a paranormal experience. Um, I don't know if we just scared ourselves into thinking it was that, but I, I hold on to it. And then, you know, we had a video camera with us and there are certain elements of the video camera that still like we can't explain. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So then somewhere in there, the ring came out in theaters and I knew I loved this scary feeling. And so I went, uh, I don't know, probably with a bunch of friends and saw it in the theater and was just scared silly yeah. and fell in love. And then from then on, it was just an adventure of trying to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And so it was later for you that you really started watching horror movies then. And I think I've actually yeah. seen you mention that in a, in a TikTok. I, didn't you talk about recently, didn't you go on like a Friday the 13th kick recently or something, or you hadn't seen it? Am, am I? Mem- yeah. Yeah. I watched one and two right around Friday the 13th this year. Oh man. You got to go through them all. We were just talking about that with Phil Nobile Jr. Um, right. I yeah. said it right. Nobile. Um, Nobile. 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 Yeah. My bad. Um, 
<laughs> but we were just talking about it with him um, just the other day. And I don't know, it's, it's cool to me when I find out that people got into the genre like late because then you just have, it's cool to be like, oh, you haven't seen this movie and then force you to watch it, you know? Yeah. 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 And specifically because I, I fell in love with The Ring. And so that time period of like early 2000s for me is like so iconic and holds so much in my heart when it yeah. comes to horror movies that I'm now just for the first time discovering the 80s. So I watched Fright Night the other night with a couple of guys blew my mind um, yeah. i watched chucky i'm wearing chucky because yes. i watched child's play for the first time like a week ago um okay. i'm just discovering slashers actually i had never seen a slasher film and then i knew um i just knew like i was ready um i don't know i get like a couple of years ago for halloween i was at my cousin's house in minnesota and she put on friday the 13th and Halloween. And so we watched those that night and I was like, oh my God, these are not what I thought they were. I thought they were going to be yeah. like these grisly, horrible, taxing, like anxiety driven, but no, they're fun as hell. Yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's something that's funny that you're mentioning that. Cause that's something that I've done too and wanted to do purposely. Cause I, as we've said ad nauseum in this podcast, like I only recent, only recently became like a big horror fan. Uh, within the past couple of years. So I'm trying to myself go through, you know, like last year I went on a scream kick where I watched all the screams in a row within like a week or two and yeah. fell in love or like, you know, I'm going through a lot of, like I love Argento and I was like giving, you know, like making myself watch a bunch of Argento films, like all the stuff that I never experienced growing up. Not that I grew up when Argento was making films, but like, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of stuff I'm trying to force feed myself now so I can be informed and it just makes you appreciate the genre, I feel like, so much more. Yeah. And and I was lucky enough that I saw The Thing when I was younger um, because I still, I wasn't like a kid or anything. Some people got to see it when they were like, you know, 10 or something, mm -hmm. which I, I've never had that experience. I'm, I'm sure there were movies that I thought were scary that, you know, mm -hmm. but... I had no experience of of like that level. So, but I, I would think I was in high school. I must have been in high school when I saw the thing, or or at least early in college, and just like was like, well, you can do that. And that was <laughs> yeah. when I fell in with a couple of friends who showed me Evil Dead, and um, just kind of started schooling me. Hell yeah! No, <laughs> so it's it's fr interesting because I I've said this probably at nauseum on this podcast as well too, but I really got into I've always been into spooky stuff but I really got into horror around 10 and uh it started with this movie called Mind Hunters and then that same night House of a Thousand Corpses and Hostel but it, like shortly after that and what I kind of consider really my intros to horror would be um the Halloween the Halloween movies on AMC Fear Fridays and I got to watch those when I was like 10 so it's kind of frustrating like I showed Steve like didn't we watch like the first Halloween. yeah and and you liked it, but like in my head, I was like, I wish I could just go back in time and sit it in front, like put this movie on in front of little 10 year old Steve. Yeah. That way I could scar you the way that you deserve to be scarred from it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's always an interesting idea to me to think of like, what if I hadn't seen these movies until now? Um, and how, how I would have taken them in. Cause I know that Halloween always chills me to my bone when I watch it still to this day, probably because I think I'm 10 again. I don't know. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm very grateful that I got into it in the early 2000s because we were like, you know, we had a little bit of CGI from Jurassic Park, but we were like still yeah. focused on prosthetics and, and real makeup. And so I got to experience a little bit of that before it just kind of went off the rails. And yeah, and then there were like a bunch of movies where it was like 
just not scary because it wasn't real. Yeah, um, which is fair. Yeah. Now we're kind of coming back around, but I know we'll end up talking about it at some point, but like with Malignant, I, all I wanted was for there to be practical effects. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that and cut the budget in an eighth and I would have loved the movie. That's fair. That's fair. And I'm super <laughs> stoked to jump into that too. Yeah. Um, Before, gonna... so we, I definitely want to talk, I want to start talking about films sooner rather than later. I do have two questions though, because we wanted to talk yeah. about your platform that you have too, but yes, I'm curious based on what you're talking about with your upbringing. So your father's a minister does religious horror have any extra bearing on you? Do you like religious horror at all? Ooh. Does it like, is it That's anything different I, for you? I love uh, an exorcism. Yeah. I love like exorcism of Emily Rose, the conjuring movies, stigmata, uh, the last exorcism. Like I can't get enough. And yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily tied to coming up in religion okay. or if it's just because that's where the demons are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, that is the stuff that really, really messes me up. I was just talking to my live about how the evil dead remake to this day, I think is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen because Dude. I believed that the demon was like, I legit believed the demon was real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. It's, uh, I, my love for the evil dead remake is so strong. I don't want to pit everybody against Steve all the time, but he didn't like it as much. <laughs> everybody boo Steve. That's listening. Um, but I don't have a but, soundboard to play. <laughs> we need a soundboard. There you go. All right, Josh, you're a permanent part of the show. Um, but, uh, okay. So what do you think? I have to ask this and then we, we got to jump into your, uh, your platform, but what do you think about, you, did you hear about the announcement of the new Exorcist trilogy that's coming out? I've heard whispers. I, I don't know anything about it. We I've don't know. Heard. We don't know let a me, lot yet. I was going to say, let me get the actual information. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know. Uh, I, so I've only seen the first one. I've heard that the mm-hmm. third one's amazing and yeah. that I can skip the second one, but I'm going to want to watch it anyway because I'm just yeah. a, 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 a purist. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. weird no. to say. And you want to uh, experience all of it, though. I mean, that, it is. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, I heard the TV shows like legit as well. I. The TV show is cool. It had yeah. staples in the second episode, which like yeah, turns you three stars from the bat. <laughs> um, it. <laughs> Yeah, it um, or you mean? Are you talking about when it had Hive playing from Earl? Yeah. Oh, Earl, That's not Vince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was good. I think I wanted. I have a hard time with horror shows a lot because they tend to be dramas with horror aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. but it was fun. I need to. I don't think I ever finished it. I need to to give it a rewatch. But yeah, what are the details on the new Exorcist trilogy? So Universal and Blumhouse are going to release the first film in the Exorcist trilogy in 2023. Um, Universal Pictures and Peacock acquired the rights to Blumhouse Productions' follow-up trilogy to The Exorcist, so it's a follow-up trilogy. Um, And they announced that the first one, based on The Exorcist IP, is going to come out October 13th of 2023. Um, It's interesting, man. Yeah, it's it's not being developed as a remake, but as a direct sequel to the original trilogy. Well, that's what we got with Candyman, and that that was excellent yeah right. i think we got to talk about <laughs> yeah we're going to know, okay, we're like dropping these little nuggets <laughs> yeah. and i'm like i just want to jump into it i'm them. just too excited <laughs> um but okay so josh you you got into horror a little later but the fear has always been there it was clearly there waiting for you when you were ready to open that box where did we when did the decision come to sort of like really dive in and pursue it in terms of like putting content out there for it when did the content creation start 
it was 2013. Um, I was working at a small production studio in New York. It was my first job. I was completely underqualified. Um, I had gone to school for a theater and specifically focused on musical theater. I graduated Fuck knowing yeah. that I didn't want to be an actor. Um, and I tried directing a little bit. And then um, I just happened to meet a guy who was showing his film at my college that I graduated from and um, did an internship with him. And then he was like, you know, come to the city, come work. And I, it's still the job that I hold today is working with him. Um, but in, in the midst of all of that, I had this other job. And um, while I was freelancing with Ryan, I was working in this lousy um, production studio, but I had a room with a green screen that um, it was basically like a studio that I built myself. We had a nice camera, we had nice lights and nice microphone. And my friend who I was working with, who hired me there said, you know, there's no, he's, he's like a big YouTube guy. Um, yeah. And he still is. Um, but like backend YouTube, he does all the analytics and like all that stuff. And that's what he's built his whole career around. And he said, there's no horror on uh, YouTube. And so we were looking at it and creepypasta was just starting to like really become a thing. And I didn't want to just read other people's stories. So I was like, well, let me tell my story about when I broke into the old age home with my buddies. And so I stood in the studio and that, that one took me, I think I was probably in there for like two hours, just trying to like get it out of my mouth. Um, and we edited and edited and edited it down to like a 10 minute video and then uh, put it up and it got 27,000 views. Fine. And yeah, um, pretty much overnight. And part of that is like Matt's a wizard, but um, it also like there was like a big following and we're like, do another one. So I had two more stories that I could remember from that time period. So I did two more um, on no schedule whatsoever, just like when I could find the time and yeah. it started to take off. And Matt was like, let's take this serious. Like, let's give it a name. Let's do it. So we came up with haunting season. And for two years, every week I told a new story and it was like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I would write Wednesday I would film Thursday, Friday, I would edit. And at three o'clock pencils down, export, upload, get it on the internet and take Saturday yeah. off. Fuck and yeah. I got super burnout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I ended up uh, going through a divorce. I got this job on the West coast. I, I moved across the entire country, went into massive debt. Um, and, uh, and then seven years later um, of not posting uh, I'm at the place where my company was like, let's start thinking about entertainment. Does anybody have any ideas? And I said, I, I would love nothing more. I've been thinking about it every day for the past seven years to do haunting season. So we brought it back as kind of an experiment. We were doing kind of live shows on YouTube and like podcast content while I was trying to figure out how to write a story per month. Cause I was super rusty. Um, and I've worked over this past year into separating the podcast because it wasn't doing well on YouTube, but it was doing well on the podcast. So yeah. separated the podcast that's audio only now. And then the stories are their own thing on YouTube and I'm doing them every other week and the podcast is weekly. And then, um, that, and then TikTok became a thing. And then yeah. I, I don't know, 168,000 people. So two solid years of posting every single week on YouTube. And I had 16,000 followers. And I have 168.5 thousand as of, or yeah, as of like right before I got on this, because you never know, you could yeah. wake up tomorrow and there's 2000 more. Exactly. 
Oh yeah. Wild. TikTok is this whole other beast, man. I mean, I was on Instagram cause I I've always wanted to get on YouTube, but I haven't, I just haven't made that jump yet. Um, and I, I, I was on Instagram posting art for like six years and I got about 4,000 followers over that time. Um, and yeah. And then next thing you know, you, you make like a couple dumb videos on TikTok, and all of a sudden you have this whole audience like watching you and it, it just becomes a whole different thing, man. It's a whole different yeah. beast. I've been trying to get all of my creative friends on there, but it's, it's a ton of fun. And the videos are only a minute, which I never thought that I, which is funny. I never thought that I'd be making one minute content when we started this out for uh, the first three months of like, Hey, we should be on TikTok." was me going like, there's no way it's not possible. There's not what, what I do in one minute. It's not mm-hmm. possible, you know, cocky me. And now we're having conversations about YouTube shorts and doing 15 second content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Do you find it? Do you find it difficult? Are you kind of in the groove of making these short videos now? Because I, I, I recently I've seen a lot of your stuff. Because it's funny when Sean brought you up originally, he thought he was like showing me some brand new person. I'm like, no, dude, he's popped up on my feed multiple times. <laughs> and I, yeah, no, of course. And but I, I just rewatched your malignant video, like earlier today, and you have this way of making it very concise with an opinion, and and you know you have this kind of format more or less of like a review within a short period of time. Have you learned how to craft that? Do you have to work really hard at it every single time you make a video or like, how is that working for you? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I have, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it from being on a podcast, but because there's a screen in between us, it's a little more comfortable. I have pretty severe um, social anxiety. Um, I have a hard time with new people. Uh, I'm kind of mm-hmm. like a dog in that way. I just like, you know, I'll be on the other side of the room with my hair up and my teeth out. And then eventually <laughs> I'll like come over and snuggle in your lap. Um <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and because I went to school for theater and because I am a writer, um, I write everything and I agonize over the, the length of it and the preciseness of it. And I'm also an editor. Um, I'm a creative director at my job and it comes from years of editing and filming. Um, I'm a cinematographer and photographer by trade. I somehow weaseled my way into creative director. Um, So I have all of these skills and I feel like TikTok is me focusing all of them on um, like crushing, crushing the raw materials into hopefully a diamond or two once in a while. Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. I'm, um, I'm, I say this all the time now, every time I catch myself saying it, but I'm curious, uh, what is the, what would you say that your like goal with everything is then? Like if, if everything was, were to go according to plan over the next year, you know, or, or however long you think it might take, where exactly do you want to take this content? Well, as Heisenberg would say, I'm in the empire business. Um, I, I would love my, my short stories are my everything. Um, that's what I pour my heart and soul into as much as I like to focus my energy on my TikToks and get them really precise and nice. That to me is the hobby to the, the short stories that I'm writing. And so the goal ultimately would be to have a like tales of the crypt or like goosebumps or something where I could visualize these stories, um, and, and be part of, uh, like the filmmaking version of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love Fuck that. yeah, man. Me well, too. You're definitely on the right track. Both you and Sean are killing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Is, I'm having cool a blast. Say. If nothing goes beyond where it is right now and I just get to do this the rest of my life, I'm extremely lucky and I have nothing to complain about. Same. Same, that's, man. That's yeah. always good. That's always yeah. a good thing to hear and a good 
mindset and, and headspace but, to be in. But hell, man, if I don't get to make a blubbery flesh monster one day, like, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you'll do it. You'll do yeah. it. And everybody, Even if it's just in the backyard, my wife will be like, what are you doing in the closet, in the garage? And I'm like, leave me alone. It's a flesh monster. <laughs> I'm losing my mind is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. It's a yeah. flesh monster. Everybody, please um, go follow Haunting Season on YouTube and hear some of those short stories. Yeah, I'm about to sit oh, there yeah. and dive into them now. A hundred percent. Yeah. So we, we got to talk about, about some movies that have come out recently because there's yes. been four pretty large horror films this this year just in general i mean coming out of covid like mm-hmm. one of the first mainstays that happened in theaters was a quiet place too and we've just had really good horror i feel like oh, since yeah. then um which is cool and it's not stopping through the end of the year halloween kills coming out we have uh last night in soho coming out i can't remember if there's anything else large coming that out that looks so good but we have we have so much shit which is amazing so we got we got to talk about a couple that have come out within the mm-hmm. past couple months what was what's the first one that we want to talk about i think it's don't breathe two was probably the first one to come out right uh, out of the three that we're going to chat about yeah don't breathe two yeah well we're going to yeah. talk we're going to talk a little bit about halloween kills too but okay. so so don't breathe two let's let let's let josh lead it with his thoughts first which i know you have a little you have a little uh you know your, your tiktok about it obviously but let's what, you you go, you sit down and watch Don't Breathe 2. What are your initial thoughts? What did you think of the first one? And what were you thinking going into Don't Breathe 2? Okay, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm grinning. I'm grinning because you mentioned the name and I'm just so excited. Um, <laughs> so I saw the first Don't Breathe and I had a blast. Um, the turkey baster was uh, a little <sighs> out of my comfort zone, um, but it was okay because it was a moment. And like, I, I get it. We're telling a story, you know, like it wasn't, you know, 90 minutes of turkey basters. Um, I don't watch those types of films. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I, in, in general, it was like a, like a B plus for me. I was like, oh, that's a great horror film, you know? that that was a great time and what a thrill ride that was fun the second one dude i came out of that theater and was like where do i buy a ticket to watch it again like put me back on the ride i loved that movie so much from beginning to end and i don't like when i posted my video just like praising it as like absolutely brilliant and like incredible cinematography and the story was beautiful Mm -hmm. everybody liked to remind me like you're cheering for a rapist and i was Mm -hmm. like no 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 because i didn't give a shit what happened to him which is the beauty of the film yeah you don't give a shit what happens to anyone except for the girl and she's innocent yep (sighs) yeah it's um it was interesting it's uh, cause I, I went and saw the first one. I remember when the trailer for the first don't breathe came out and I was so excited cause it just looked raw as shit. And I'm pretty sure it's the same studio that did the evil dead remake. Right. Am I wrong there? Or it's at it's, least some of the Fede, same. Fede, Fede, the director is the same director. Okay. Fede Alvarez. So, yeah. so that's what it was. Steve is better with the, the technical details than I am, but I was like, okay, this is the people that made the evil dead remake. This movie's probably going to kick ass. Plus it had Mia. I, in my head, she's always Mia, but um, Mandy Malkovich, her name is. Steve yeah, I, doesn't know know it. I was hoping you were going to give it to me. <laughs> Mandy Malkovich uh, from Shameless. We'll find it in a bit. Yeah. She's amazing. We should totally know her name. This is a disrespect to her because I really do enjoy her so much, but um, I saw she was in it. Evil dead. Jane and Levy. I just assumed Jane, Jane Levy. Levy. That's it. And I just assumed that I was going to love the movie. And I think the first time I saw Don't Breathe, I didn't like it as much because it was very different than what I thought it was going to be. Um, the first it, one. 
the first one, the first one, yeah. I was expecting really intense, brutal, and for it to feel very much so like a horror movie, but it kind of just felt like a very brutal action-esque, like a dark action movie. It's not an action yeah, like movie, a thriller. I guess. A thriller. a thriller, yeah, there you go. Yes, fair. Um, and then the turkey baster scene happens, and it's not, it wasn't like a problematic thing, but I was like, that was so gross, and that was <laughs> it. <laughs> it was so gross in a movie that up until that point, which was super late in the movie, hadn't been gross. You know, it's not like the thing where the thing kind of starts off gross from the get go. It it just dropped that out of nowhere. I mean, slow motion. Look, we're gonna say it. Slow oh. motion come dripping out of a out of a turkey baster. And for I mean, it was super rapey. Like that's what the whole thing was. So it was a weird way to feel leading that movie. Uh, but. I couldn't like, I, I also didn't dislike it because obviously it has its merits. Like it was, it was an interesting story. It was super unique. When I heard that they were doing the second one, I was thinking to myself, like, how are you going to try to make an anti-hero out of this character? Which was all the things that the people were, were commenting to you were saying, yeah. you know, um, but you're absolutely right. I left the theater liking it way more than I thought that I was going to and cheering this girl on. I don't want to spoil it for Steve. I want Steve to see it still. Um, yeah. But and I also don't want to spoil it for anybody listening. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was really good. And it was it was like a refreshing whatever to to sort of jumpstart this trend of horror movies that we have coming out now. Yeah, I love when a movie gives you kind of what you expect in the first like 30 minutes and then goes off the rails. Yes. Um, that is a really satisfying thing when you show up to a part two. Uh, and they did it yep. really, really well. Yeah. And I oh, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I want to say that this movie was definitely good at like making you think something and then being like, nah, this. And then mm-hmm. being like, it's, a, it's okay. Nah, because we, we always tell people that they can. They, they need to, you know, watch these movies before they see to the it first. Yeah, we can say it probably. Fuck it. Uh, we're not going to go yeah. super into it. Should we? I don't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm OK if you guys want to talk about it. I don't know. I think it's a good enough ending and that it's a great film. So uh, and it just came out this year and it's probably can you rent it yet? I don't think I, so. It, that should I be the rule. If it, just if it's been VOD. for rent, yeah. If it's been for rent or mm-hmm. like on video demand, yeah, for like months, like let's ruin the shit out of it. Or you yeah. just say spoilers and then right, yeah, which know. that's true. I, well, listen, we gotta we gotta talk about Candyman and we gotta talk about Malignant, and I can't talk about those without spoilers. So we we have to do that. So if you're listening to this currently, yeah, we are going, in, in in the past episode <laughs> we talk about Malignant. So if you listen to that episode. You already heard spoilers. We're going to talk about Candyman and Malignant and spoil things. Plug your ears (laughs) or do something because we we got to talk about Skip ahead. They don't have time to plug their ears. Plug your ears and skip ahead. Do both. Do neither. It's fine. With what hands? Hit pause. How is he running the show? Hit pause. (laughs) Hit pause. Go watch the goddamn movies and come back, man. It's okay. We'll wait. We'll wait it out. Um, But yeah, don't breathe good. We'll leave it. I think with Don't Breathe, we'll leave it there. Go see it. Let's jump into the one Steve has seen because he's feeling left out. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up. 
however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Candyman, man. Candyman. <laughs> Let's talk about Candyman. Josh, I'm curious how you felt about Candyman. I haven't seen any, I haven't seen any of your posts about it. Yeah, so I I saw the first one this year. Um, likewise, with being uh, someone who hasn't gotten into slashers, Clive Barker was something I didn't touch because when I was a kid, um, there there was a kid at the top of the cul-de-sac or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This story is not relevant. No, it is relevant. <laughs> um, there's a kid at the top of the cul-de-sac who had like the scariest haunted house every year. And the kid was obsessed with horror and in the basement would always do a hellraiser thing with like the rotating thing with all the parts of the bodies on it and blood everywhere. Um, and I heard the legend of Candyman on the playground. That's how I learned about it. And then later found out there was a movie. So I was already scared of it by the time I learned there was a movie and I was like, I will never watch it. So a couple of months ago, um, I ended up watching it and loved every second of it. There were about two minutes where I didn't breathe, um, which man, uh, if you can do that, that's to someone who watches like 13 to 15 horror movies a month. Um, (laughs) yeah, good on you. So I went into this with high anticipation because I love Jordan Peele and uh, I knew he was involved and because I I'm a recent fan of the movie and I thought it nailed it. Mm -hmm. I thought it nailed it across the board. It did a bunch of new stuff and it didn't feel like violating something I loved. Um, it did a bunch of old stuff and it felt like it wasn't violating something I loved. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm obsessed with violation, probably because we were talking about uh, <laughs> Turkey <laughs> Turkey Turkey Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was yeah. so satisfied. The only thing I wanted, I waited the, the whole time, like gripping the seat, being like, just say it, just say, be my victim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I am. Um, Go ahead, Sean. Well, I was just, so I, I want to let Steve mainly talk about it because he really enjoys the Candyman movies. I just want to intro it by saying that Candyman is one of the movies that I saw later. And, and similarly to you, I heard about Candyman on the playground first, before before the movie, anything like that. Like I knew the urban legend before the movie. And then I didn't see the actual movie until pretty late in, well, I won't say late, but well into my horror consumption probably like late high school was the first time I saw it um but funny enough I I didn't dislike it but I didn't it I was in a weird spot and I was think I was without realizing it I was looking for very specific horror movies at the time and I was kind of pretentious about it and I just don't think it's what like first off I was not 
like socially aware enough to appreciate just how brilliant that movie really is. And, and also was looking for a very specific thing. So I think it flew over my head. Um, and then I didn't really watch it again until the beginning of the pandemic. We were doing mm-hmm. a movie a night and I'm pretty, it's Steve. That was one of your picks, yeah, right? It was one of my picks. Yeah. yeah because we knew I was like, that, I was like, this is interesting. I really want to watch Candyman. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause when we threw it on, I was like, yeah, it's, it's obviously a classic. It's a movie that I respect. It's not one of my personal favorites. I haven't seen it. And I didn't think he was going to like it at all, but then he loved it. And now I'm going to yeah. let Steve, Steve go. Yeah, can't, Candyman <laughs> is in my, in my top 10, if not my top five, like I, I love it since last year, the first time I saw it. I think that in terms of the score, the cinematography, the the story is so crisp and like just it, it's so it's told so well. Um, I don't love that it's momentarily pretty white savory for a yeah. little bit. Like that's my only thing, which they kind of talk about in the new film, which I enjoyed a lot. Um, but I think just all things considered, it's just a cool fucking movie. Just like everything about the original is just really like cool is the best way that I can describe it. Cause that's just how it feels. It's just a cool fucking movie. So I was, I went in, you know, same with you, like, you know, Jordan Peele producing monkey pop productions, Nia DaCosta directing. I'm like, this is going to be sweet. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it because I think while the first one touched on, you know, the first one thematically is very, um, very much about the power of urban legends. I mean, you guys both talked about how you've heard about the urban legend before you even watched the film, which like is exactly what that film's about. Mm-hmm. And then this, so it's about the power of urban legends. And then this new one is is more so about like what happens when these urban legends die or like, you know, what happens when they kind of are lost to memory. Um, and I, I think the only thing that I didn't love about this film is that the writing in the first two acts were so good. Like, I think they did a great job of building. I love my, I love me a 90 minute or less movie. So I think they did a great job of that. They were just building, heightening, heightening. And then I feel like the, the, the major twist, which again, sorry to spoil this, but like the fact that like the laundromat guy is trying to keep like the spirit of Candyman alive. And he's like helping, you know, Anthony do it by making Anthony become Candyman, but also Candyman, was luring Anthony back because he's the child from the first movie. Like it just felt like a very weird thing to, to do. And then the last, you know, the last act and like the end of the film felt rushed in that sense to where I was like, you were building to something really cool. And then everything just like snapped and changed and then just went boom and didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, That said, I still enjoyed it a lot. Like I still, as a person who loved, I, we watched the original Candyman the night before. So that way everything was fresh and in my head, I was like, uh, the the woman who has the kid, Anthony, she says Anthony's name in the first movie. And I'm I looked over to my friend Chelsea, who I saw the film with, and I was like, is the lead character in the new Candyman's name Anthony? Because I think I know where this is gonna go. And I looked it up, and of course it is. And I just like I I just enjoyed how it was this this very fun spiritual sequel, even though I didn't love the writing at the end, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really fair. Um, because I, I came out of it with, um, pins and needles at the visual effects. Like I love the bees. I love the, the, the winning of the evil, you know, and the floating, I was such a fan of the floating. I was happy to get it at the very end. Um, that it, it didn't dawn on me until later. And especially when I, you know, was talking on TikTok about it, that, that that's true, that the ending kind of like, 
had some holes in it. And even with like, you know, she says Candyman four times, but then the cop says it once. So the yeah. cop dies. It's like, oh, but are we breaking the rules because of true love? Because she and he love each other. So he's like, hey, somebody said it. Let me kill some people for you. you know? <laughs> Somebody's got to pay. Yeah. Is it going to be? Oh, um, yeah. I, I really want to touch on that because you were talking about the, uh, I don't know if you said this word specifically, but the, I, my favorite part of the whole thing is, is there is some really dark imagery in the movie that sticks yeah. with me, man. The, the image of the bees, like the bee head is so cool. And his float is so great. Um, I also just read, I don't know if you're subscribed to Fangoria, not to push Fangoria on you, but, um, <laughs> Fangoria had a really, no, seriously, it, it has like three articles about Candyman in the, in the latest issue. And one of them is about, they, they brought on like a, a, um, a choreographer who has trained her whole life in, uh, as a ballerina. And they brought her on just to do movements for that movie. And it's stuff that you don't even do. It's, I need to rewatch the movie after reading the article because it was brilliant. It and makes so much sense. So haunting, dude. And uh, and yeah, like that that floating bee head image. But also, my favorite scene in the whole movie is the when the art critic gets thrown up against the mm-hmm. glass, and we have that slow like zoom out shot, and she just gets dragged across yeah. as we see everybody else, you know, in their homes just living normal lives. And obviously, this is a super important movie for a lot of social reasons. It touches on a lot of things that are incredibly relevant right now that have been incredibly uh, relevant for a long time that really a bunch of three white dudes are probably not the best people to to, <laughs> to really dive into. But um, but yeah, it's I think it's it's an important movie that everybody needs to see. I think at at minimum, you're going to enjoy yourself and get some spooky images. And yeah. It's it's a horror movie that will not be forgotten and was a beautiful um yeah. uh like sequel. Like sequel, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really want to watch that because I didn't even realize until recently that there's a Candyman 2 and a Candyman 3 mm-hmm. from the original series. Like yeah. I didn't know that at all. I was talking with one of my friends at work about it. And I looked them up just to see their rating, just because I hadn't heard about them. I'm sure that they were kind of meh. And I'm like, all right, I really want to like watch them now just to see. I just have to. I would like more Candyman canon mm-hmm. in yeah. my life. So I feel like that's where I'm at. This is from somebody who, because I, I think I've seen parts of each of them, but I've never sat down and watched two and three. So we're going to say I haven't seen them, but I was reading something about it. It might've even been an old Fango article that was just talking about the movie before it was going to come out. But, um, or it actually, or it might've been Horror Noir, that documentary, um, yeah. which everybody should watch. But I know that either in two or three, they were a little bit confused because in one of them, Candyman sort of goes to goes to neighborhoods and, and like a lot of his victims are are also black people. And they were they thought it was kind of confusing, like they weren't fully it almost felt like they weren't sure like exactly what narrative that they were going for. And I think that this new take is kind of a better a better direction for it, if it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, I mean, you know the I mean? first one was directed by a white director and it's like. Mm-hmm. You have a you have a, a a truly black story that you're telling, and you're a white mm-hmm. director. Like, are you fit to tell it? Probably not. Right. That's yeah. Just, and know, that's a tough. Yeah. Is. Exactly. Which makes sense. All right. Candyman was great. I'm glad we all agree. <laughs> let's let's talk about Ma freaking Lignant because oh <laughs> I'm so excited. We, God, I need I, like I, another I, beer I hear, for this one. <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts. Sean and I talked about it, like I said, for about 10 or 15 minutes in the last episode, but I, I do want to chat about it and see if we, you know, shake any anything off of this tree. <laughs> I want to hear what your thoughts are. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm in a very confused state still. Um, (laughs) But I will say I'm very excited to rewatch it because I went in expecting it to be somewhere around Insidious, The Conjuring, like a haunted house story. I had really high expectations. I got um, Warner Brothers sent me the box. You got the box. You know, what's in the box? Um, And and that was really cool. Like they went above and beyond. And a lot of the material that came in the press kit was about how James Wan is returning to form to do an indie film for the first time in a really long time. And I've been following his career because I'm a huge fan of Saw. I'm a huge fan of Conjuring, Insidious. Like I watched the behind the scenes and hear him talk about how he doesn't like jump scares and how he really is a purist about the way like horror is and all this stuff. And so I'm, I'm thinking about all of this. I'm just like so excited. James Wan is making the movie he's always wanted to make. I'm talking to people before I even see the movie. I've watched the trailer like once and I'm like, listen, this thing is going to like break the box office. This is a guy who's like done Fast and the Furious and like all this stuff just so he could make this movie. So that's the energy I'm going into the theater with. And after the cold open, my wife and I turn to each other and just go, what the fuck? (laughs) And from then it was just, um, I don't know, a wild ride. Like I, I, I wanted to have goosebumps when she said it's time to cut the cancer out. And I didn't, and I couldn't figure out why. And things were falling flat already for me. And um, I think it was like well into it was maybe halfway through act two that the audience started getting really riled up and started like hackling and um, roasting. And one guy was just having a blast. He laughed so hard. I thought he was going to cough up a lung a couple of times. Um, and, and it became this like, and I had this experience with old, but old was different. Like I felt like old is there's a very, I think there's a very real case to be made that old was made to be intentionally bad so that audiences would roast it, but also have a good time. I had, <laughs> I had look on Steve's face, everybody really quick. I had a blast with that movie and maybe we'll do that one next, but I did not have that feeling with malignant. And then the, the last 30 minutes happens and I'm having fun, but I left being like, like, uh, who, who let this happen? So then I go online and I'm like trying to come up with my, oh no. So what happens next is I go over to, um, uh, there's two other podcasters who live in my town and uh, they do the Hollow Weekly podcast, Nick and George. And George is always making the case for a movie. He's always like, just listen to me for a second. Let me make the case for Malignant. And he's like, do you think that in 10 years, Malignant's going to be the movie from this time period that everyone's going to need to go watch. And we talked about it for like two hours. And now I can't stop thinking about it. Can you, all right, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Can you kind of elaborate? All right. So why, what's the case for like, why, what do you mean from this time period that everyone's going to need to go watch? Can you, can you expand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like uh, every once in a while you get one of these films where, uh, like basket case where, um, it's just horrendously bad, but you gotta watch it. It's a blast, you know? And, um, and it's, it's harder and harder to make campy films because we don't use a lot of prosthetic, uh, prosthetics anymore. And so you don't get the really shitty script with the really fantastic over the top bizarre, horror creatures. And I don't think malignant has that because I, I left being like, man, if it was prosthetic, like we'd be in good shape. Um, 
or, or decent shape mm-hmm. or maybe some sort of shape. Um, <laughs> you can be in shape. <laughs> you can be in shape. It doesn't matter what a pear shape. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like there were element, like I think the story's cool. And I think if we had half the money, no, an eighth of the money and prosthetic effects that it could have been like a knockout movie. But I, but I don't know. I, I, I'm still, I know I'm ranting for so long, but I'm no, still like, oh. in the space where I think maybe in all of this, like making Fast and the Furious and like all these other movies and being a producer on so many things, like, does he have too many yes men around him? Mm-hmm. You know, yes people around him just being like, yeah, it's cool, James Wan. It's fucking James Wan. Yeah. You know? And then like, he doesn't have enough people. Cause I'm sure when he made saw, there were um, people who knew more than him in the horror business being like, now, what are you thinking about this? You know? And then he's like telling them and they're like, are you sure? Yeah. You know, well, and he like had you need that to like bounce, yeah. bounce things with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Lee, Lee wrote saw, you know, that yeah. I love them together. Them together is my favorite thing. I like them both apart. I respect them both. I would full geek fangirl if either of them walked into this room right now. Mm-hmm. I want them to work together more. Um, yeah. Real quick, Steve, because we, I, we talked about malignant on the last whatever, so we don't want to just entirely yeah. regurgitate what we said, but we also yeah. want to have a conversation with you. Well, so, so I repeat ourselves, yeah. I, I, I mean, everything you said is one hundred percent true, and I, I understand your reasons for thinking those things about malignant that you think. I believe, and I've said this a million times, but I'm going to keep saying it because I believe this is one of the best TV shows ever made. But I believe that this was an episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I don't know (laughs) if you've ever seen that, but if you haven't, you should. Uh, I believe that this was an episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place that had a $40 million budget. So, you know, you're... It's funny because I I didn't know the things about like, you know, oh, this is James return to form and like, this is the movie he's been wanting to make like with this budget. I mean, he just made an expensive B movie. Like, you know, it, it doesn't have the prosthetics and it doesn't have the, the lower budget. It's the same movie. It's just shiny, which, and I think it was, you know, it's obviously released by a major, uh, major motion picture, you know, production company. Like it's in all these theaters nationwide. Like this film, if released by anybody else would never make it to feel like as wide of a release as this film made. So I feel like that's, a feat within itself. And on top of that, like uh, two, two things to say, there's no way that the writing is that been, I said this in our last episode, there's no way that the writing is that bad and they didn't realize it. Like there's no way that James Wan approved that writing without wanting it to be that bad. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like horrendous, like horrendous. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. just don't, I, I don't see him being like, like that flying over his head or anyone's head, any professional screenwriter that's not writing a lifetime movie, you know? So you believe it was, it was fully intentional to be exactly the way it is. I think it has to, I mean, you just don't see a movie like that. You were talking about the cold open and that's, I mean, same as you, I, that's exactly where I realized like that's happening. And, you know, she's in the red hallway and these, these like random actor doctors come out and are like holding a trank gun and I'm like, oh, this is the kind of movie we're about to get. Now I like I instantly know this is what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I'm ready for. Well, uh, I think that and, was my yeah. mistake in the movie theater was not 
having like I had that same realization, but I pushed back against it for the next two hours. Yeah. Instead of just being like, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly why I want to rewatch it. A hundred percent. And that's my thing. And like I said, we've said this before, but I'm glad I didn't watch this some years ago. Cause my pretentious ass would have hated, like I would have yeah. seen the opening. <laughs> I would have seen the opening and been like, this is garbage. Where's my, you know, beautiful color grading and gorgeous cinematography. Mm-hmm. Not that there wasn't gorgeous. There was some beautiful shots in this, but yeah. So, and I know, I, I know we touched on this before, um, but I think so with, with me, I love James Wan's old movies. Um, I love Saw. I love Dead Silence. I'm going to ask you in a minute if you've seen Dead Silence and what you thought about it. Don't answer yet. But um, but so I love those. I Dude, I saw Insidious in theaters six times. Six times before I had Whoa. any apps to help me pay for it. So I probably spent $60 <laughs> to watch Insidious because I was very, I just really, I loved that movie. And I took, I'd be hanging out with a friend. Did you see Insidious yet? No. Get in my fucking car. Like, let's go. Um and I, I really love the Conjuring movie, uh, like the first one. I like the second one. I have a whole spiel about the rest of the franchise, but that's whatever. I think that James is an interesting case of like one of the first mainstream like horror directors that is fully a horror director. Not where they try to, you know, like Steven Spielberg makes horror-esque movies a lot, mm-hmm. um, but they don't call them that. Like we have to claim them. You know, I think he's one of the first like really big mainstream with mainstream budget horror directors who is super shaping the very like spectral haunting uh, uh, subgenre of horror. And I think that the reason that this movie is so confusing is I I agree with Steve. I think it was done on purpose to be a bad movie. I think he was just trying to have some fucking fun. Um, But it's confusing because, A, it wasn't marketed that way, which I'm not saying that that like that's fun to to throw a curveball, but at the same time you have to accept that like you have a lot of people going into a movie expecting one thing and you're giving them something else entirely. But also like you said, if it had uh, like realistic effects and, and stuff like that, it probably would have felt a lot better because there, I've said this a million times, bad CGI is always just bad CGI. It is never ever, ever charming ever. Like if you happen to like Sharknado and shit like that, that's fun, but it's not charming the way that like evil dead is like bad practical effects is always at least super cool. And yeah, I think that this movie kind of falls victim to, you know, James Wan making a movie the same way he makes normal movies, but purposefully being super silly with it. Um, With that being said though, I went into this movie thinking I was going to hate it. Like, or it's, I won't say that I was, I was worried strongly that I was not going to like it. Yeah. Straight from the trailer. You were like, Oh, I don't Dude, know. I, I was, I was like, telling oh. him he's like, he's like, you're well, unboxing. The <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, that's the thing is I did. Well, cause it's, it's, uh, I, I want to make it. I also don't want to make it seem like I just lie to people. If I do an unboxing, I was hoping like, like James Wan is clearly a, a force to be reckoned with. And I was like, I usually like his movies. I don't love a lot of the things he's done recently, but some of my favorite movies are older James Wan movies. I was like, I, I trust him. I hope it's going to be good, but I was worried that I wasn't going to like it. Obviously I'm not going to say that directly in the promo, but honestly, <laughs> it's funny. It's just funny though, because I then go and see it and it was worse than I thought it was going to be, but I had way more fun watching it Yeah, because it was a different kind of bad, you know, it could well, have and- been 
Yeah. How wild that we get two of those. I mean, I don't know how you guys reacted to old, but um, I, I had I had even more fun in old. Um, I, I loved every second of it as a bad movie. And I don't know why this one hit differently for me. I don't know why I wasn't able to just fall into that. Maybe it was the people I went with or maybe it was the audience, you know, took longer to kind of fall into that. But that's like why I go to the movie theater is to have a shared experience, right? So if the yeah. shared experience is that I leave like smiling, it doesn't matter if it's because I'm smiling because I made fun of a movie for two hours or yeah. because I had so much fun and was so scared I'm relieved that it's over. Old, yeah. old is so for me, we have we have uh the reverse opinion. Old, I I'll go go on record and say old is probably my least favorite movie that I've seen since Stuber, which was my previous least favorite movie I've ever seen. Um, I, at least, at least in recent memory, Spring Breakers, I think holds the title for me forever, but Stuber is God awful and old. Uh, so old, here's my thing about it. <clears throat> I think that old is trying to be good though. Like, I feel like old is, I, I know that you said you didn't think so, but I feel like you have malignant, which from the get go, like from from the opening sequence, you know, flashback to the past, you have just goofiness and weird, weird cinematography and, and not great acting and, you know, a prosthetic wrath thing behind glass. <laughs> you know, you know, you're starting off strange, but old was just very M. Night shyamalan and just like kind of a normal story starting. And and it just felt like it wasn't it wasn't trying to be like tongue in cheek weird or like tongue in cheek, bad writing. Like I've said this a million times and I saw it online, but it's like the writing in old felt like someone wrote the movie who had never heard a human being talk before. Yeah. Like all the dialogue yeah. felt like that. Even the, <laughs> the children, literally everybody, like there's a sequence in old <laughs> where the mother says like a dialogue and she goes, does that make sense at the end of it? And me, me and one of my roommates just went, no, <laughs> like it but just, see, I that, think oh. I think that's why I had more fun in old yeah. because it was this like slow discovery that the whole audience was having together as opposed to like, boom, boom. Yeah. Come on guys. This way. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that's, I just felt like old was just draining my soul. Like I felt like I was also on the beach. That and that's what old. the theme of the movie is. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would have committed to that and just disappeared. Yeah, we um, just gotta keep that's all we have it. for today. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen it. I yeah. I just assumed after hearing everything, I was like, I don't know, because I'm really weird about M Night. Like, I don't. Ah, Devil is my favorite M Night movie. Like, and he yeah. didn't even direct that. Did he, he not? Produced it. No, well, no. there you fucking go. But he wrote so, it though. I think he wrote it. He wrote, oh, gotcha. he wrote it. Yeah. Gotcha. But I mean, he yeah. did. He did signs in the sixth sense and visit. Yeah. So, and there, I mean, uh, visit was ones. really good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I plan to see it, but I think I was like, I can't deal with this right now. Did you see it? Like, who did you see it with when you saw it, Josh? Like, what was your theater experience? Um, I'm pretty sure. So it was me, my old roommate, who's a drag queen. And probably, uh, I don't know, a dozen drunk 16-year-olds. Oh, fuck yeah. See, of course you liked it. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? Like, that's like prime it's viewing perfect experience. horror movie experience. Yeah. yeah, and I said that in my TikTok too. I was like, don't go see Old Alone because you'll hate it. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Steve, did you see it alone? 
No, I saw it with our our whole pod in our in our oh. apartment uh, in a full New York oh. theater. So it was it was an experience. I did not yeah. like it at all. <laughs> I mean, I did I have fun shit talking it for a long time. Yeah. Absolutely. Do I think <laughs> the movie has any merit? Absolutely. Whatever, <laughs> whatever the word should be for that. Um, but listen, I think I think we should uh, I think we should start taking some some questions from some listeners. Can I ask the first little question before that I wanted to say, and then we jump right into it. Josh, have you seen Dead Silence? No, I haven't. God damn it. All right. No, but it's been coming up a lot because of, you know, so please, 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 please please watch it. And then I want to talk about it soon. All right, let's jump into the questions. And honestly, Josh came out here with the big guns. I asked for some questions and I got a handful of questions. I appreciate everybody that asked questions, but Josh came out here with like 30, 10 questions. So I don't know yeah. if you want to start. Um, I'll pull some of mine, but. So I, I have a great one to start um, just because of the way it's worded. And I'm going to do voices for these based on <laughs> what people's icons look like and what their name is. So Even this is Will's oh, random artwork. Okay, I got a question for you. What do you think about effects in horror? Do you prefer CGI or practical effects? <laughs> From Boston. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm assuming. <laughs> okay. Uh, who wants to start? You go, you go first, Sean. Okay. I think we've, we've touched on this a little bit. Um, so I'll keep mine kind of short, but I definitely want to hear Josh's. But I think that it is, it's, it's all dependent. Everything is contextual. I think that people that are pure practical effects are too nostalgic for nostalgic sake. Um, and I think that people that are completely CGI or think that CGI is always fine don't have an appreciation for a certain art form. I think the best movies that are coming out right now are the movies that do wonderful blends of both. You know, um, I think Star Wars really nails it with a lot of really cool practical effects and CGI. I think that CGI, for the most part, should be used less on characters and more to enhance visual effects and things on characters. But every now and again, you're going to have a character that couldn't exist without CGI, in which case I say nail it. So that's my yeah. thing is it's if, like I was saying earlier, bad practical effects have charm. In my opinion, C bad CGI never has charm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. I, I agree with Sean. I'm not going to even wax poetic about it because we have talked about it a little bit, but I will say, Sean talking about using CGI to enhance your environment and, and aesthetic and all that. If you haven't seen uh, how David Fincher, in my opinion, the best living director uses CGI in his films, please look up a YouTube video of David Fincher using CGI yeah. Fight club, uh, gone girl, you it's know, insane. Benjamin button, like all the shit, look up how he uses it. Cause he's a master of doing it practically and having a knowledge bed. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, um, I think marrying the two. I The first time I ever had an emotional response to a CGI character was District 9. And um, yes. I still had some qualms. One thing for me that like always stands out with CGI characters is the wide shot when they don't look like they have the weight uh, that it should have. It just, that's the thing that ruins it for me. And even in the wide shots of that movie, it was very close. It was very yeah. close, but the close-ups and and the facial, you know, all that stuff, um, really tug at my heartstrings. Um, yeah, so I I think use it use it if you have the means and the resources to do it right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, or B. Fincher. I don't know. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also, you you made me think about it, but I think that my first CGI like 
the, the first character that I thought Dobby, dude, I think that Dobby was probably the first full oh, CGI yeah. character that I saw. And Dobby's perfect. Like the Harry Potter series. And uh, I always jump to the Pirates of the Caribbean series, in my opinion, Pirates, are the yeah. perfect examples of how to do and the new Star Wars movies, regardless of what you think narratively, visually, like Star Wars, Harry Potter and um, and Pirates are perfect examples of practical effects and CGI working masterfully together. Um, totally agree. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. We all agree. Um, it's a beautiful world. Next, yeah. Sean. Me? You got to do, do a one? voice. You got to do a voice. Yeah. You okay. All right. So this is from Bad Wolves. And this one's going to be kind of hard. So if we, if I want to introduce it now and you guys want to put it off, like, like think about it while we talk about other no, stuff, that's we should fine. go right. Yeah, that's not All right, then no fine. Thinking. Then fine. No Fuck thinking. it. Fuck it. All right. So Bad Wolves asked, question. <laughs> what is a horror movie concept you haven't seen on the big screen that you would like to put into production? So I feel like that's, that's giving away the films that I have written. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I guess that's oh, fair. Man. I, I was going to say Lisey's story by uh, Stephen King, but then now they just made it an Apple it TV is, Plus right? show. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, I'll say too. I mean, I, uh, let's talk about the things that I've written, Sean. Like we, <laughs> we have, we have come up with a cool concept that we talked about with uh, David Yarvesky about mm -hmm. like a dark Pied Piper esque yes. story, which would be sick. I've written something that's basically a monster movie uh, set in a high school that takes place during just one night in the high school that mm -hmm. I feel like would be sweet. It's like the gallows, but not awful. Um, and then I also uh, have a cool idea about a grandma that eats kids. Do you remember that one, Sean, that I was writing? I sure do. I sure <laughs> yeah. do. Well, I offered a lot to that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course. No, we, um, we collabed on that. There you go, everybody. Go steal Steve's ideas, become rich and famous. <laughs> yeah, well, my my idea, I'll tell it uh, because I put it out in a book form and it's published. So fuck you, don't steal it. Oh, um, hell yeah. Yeah, it's my only published piece. Um, oh, I guess that's not really true anymore, but it's my my most published piece. It's been mm -hmm. in probably like 400 copies of something. Nice. Um, it's called Paul's Rose and it is um, a woman who has died of cancer comes back to haunt her husband. They can't let go of their love of each other. And so he eventually um, feeling distraught gets a Ouija board and awakens an e evil demon that was laying dormant in the house. And uh, it starts to destroy him and she's got to sacrifice herself in order to save him. Oh, shit. like her immortal soul in order to save his living life nice Yikes. yeah yeah no that's odd oh, dude and cancer that sounds heavy yeah, yeah that definitely man. sounds heavy <laughs> yeah um, it's a romance it's a romance horror <laughs> i'm not giving you i'm not giving you any of my goods but what i will say is this <laughs> what i will say is this um sean wrote this question <laughs> i did not no <laughs> you <Yeah. back. laughs> uh what i will say is i've been waiting for a long time um and i think the world is waiting for a really solid Cthulhu horror movie and I know Del Toro has wanted to do it for a long time and I think that out because there's a lot of concepts that I think have been touched on in some way to where I might have a hard time picking a specific thing but that's one where I'm like they don't really have any Cthulhu movies there are a mm -hmm. lot of movies that are inspired by Lovecraft of course um, and there are everything from loose things like the thing and the void to direct things uh, or more direct things I guess like um like the Dagan movie and uh, I know there's a Lovecraft. Well, Lovecraft country. Yes. Yes. Um, but we don't, you know, Gilmero, Gilmero del Toro. I had to think of how to say it was 
Guillermo? Is it Guillermo? Guillermo? Guillermo. Guillermo. Either way. I don't know. I just always say Del Toro. Listen, man. I trust me. I just I just say the last name. But he um he's wanted to do he's wanted to do a uh you know a Cthulhu movie for a really long time and it just keeps getting put on hold and on hold. And now it's looking like he's probably not gonna be able to do it, which is super sad. Uh and if there's ever Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, James, I love you, but I don't know. I think that if there's ever been a person that should make that movie, it's Del Toro. And I think that if we as a species don't find a way to make that happen, then it's us that lose that lose out. Um, and so I'll leave it at that. That's fair <laughs> that's and that's sad. Yeah. All right, Josh, you got another one teed up? <laughs> yeah, and I think we should ramp up the speed here. I think it should be like, yeah, you're I, right. let's plow through these. Let's you're right. Do it. Um, All right. All right, so uh, Geos- Geosaurus says, is there a type of movie that you will not watch? Extreme oh, horror. I don't like extreme, extreme horror. horror. Yeah. Um, I really struggle with like intense parasitic body type stuff. So like, dude, mm. a lot of, I really want to jump into Japanese manga, but I'm honestly afraid. So I won't say won't, but if you're asking what kind of subgenres of horror that I'm afraid of, it's parasitic body, weird body mutation stuff. What about you? Um, I have I have a real issue um, with sexual assault when um, it's not a deep part of the story that we're going to be learning things from. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that definitely gets exploited. Um, Yeah. Uh, Okay. so fuck me again. Um, uh, Ooh. Okay. Actually, this is a good one. All right. Uh, Glamour. Glamorous Jenny asks. Question, do any of you have a cool story of an experience you had with an Ouija board? <laughs> you said voices, right? <laughs> yeah, but we're, all just about, we're about to tell a quick, the quickest story ever. Um, oh, yeah, we all, well, we I don't know, do man. It. But also, no, that, that's fine. Can do I it. have, I, I also, a uh, big theater guy, I directed high school theater for about eight years. Um, while I was still in high school, um, it was just kind of tradition during shows to try to contact um this guy who supposedly died in our high school and was a theater kid so during during shows uh rehearsals and that sort of stuff we would try to contact him in the men's dressing room on a ouija board that's why i mainly asked that one i knew steve had a had a whole pass with that josh what about you I have never touched one and I never will. It's probably one of my greatest fears that I cannot really track to anything other than I've just spooked to hell about it. That's fair. That's fair. I have also (laughs) never touched one, but I really want one. I can't bring myself to buy one of the like plastic ones. I feel like I want it in an antique store or a thrift store. Exactly. Or make that shit myself out of like wood and crazy, you know, go full witchcraft and, you know, End up on the tea, it's haunted. Yeah. yeah. I found myself looking yeah. for one the past couple of times. My wife and I went thrifting and the whole time, like sweating and being like, I hope it's not here. It better not be here. Like <laughs> <laughs> you want it, but you don't want it. Right. <laughs> you want to be bummed out that you didn't find it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I see it and it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh. Wonderful. All right. Uh, this is Phoenix Ash 85. Thoughts on whether or not the U.S. market should consider pushing foreign horror movies mainstream. I've seen so many great horror movies get uh, an English remake, but um, feels like it loses the essence in translation. Yeah. 
Yeah, Steve first. I I think that uh, big markets understand. Unfortunately, they they're tapped into the the culture of the United States, which is a culture that kind of sucks right now. Um, and they know that pushing <laughs> pushing a foreign film to a massive audience won't get a great reception. Uh, you know, Parasite is a phenomenal film and can win all the Oscars that it wants it still is not going to get as great of a reception as fucking American Sniper or something similar to that, if that makes sense. So I think it's on us as horror fans to continue to, or just, uh, you know, film uh, fans of film in general to push these foreign films Mm -hmm. uh, to our friends and keep them alive. Um, But I think you're, you're going to keep getting discouraged by finding, I mean, they're making a fucking uh, train to Busan American version, right? Like it's unnecessary, but it's, it's the way that the the cogs in the machine work, which is how mm-hmm. it is how it is. Um, I'm going to try to keep this so short, but basically, I think that if you're just asking about whether or not they should, I I definitely think that they should, and I think that we as as moviegoers should be actively searching out foreign films more often. Um, I do think that there are big cultural gaps, especially if you're looking at like Japanese horror. Like, it they just have a a very different type of storytelling, um, but mm-hmm. there are so many delightful, wonderful things in there. I'm not shocked. I don't think that it'll ever really happen on a mainstream, whatever, because of everything Steve said. And ultimately, movies are about money. The people that make movies want as much money as possible. Like the producers, the people that pay for movies is what I should have said want as much money as possible and if it doesn't seem like it's going to bring them in a ton of money it's less about art it's less about you know appreciating good films and other culture so i don't see it happening uh but a good way to to try to help that is exactly what steve said like let's reach out and and look at more shit i also think it's kind of weird because um Sometimes American, like The Uninvited is a remake of Tale of Two Sisters. I love both of those movies in two different ways. So I'm glad that like it's I'm not entirely against American retellings of stuff or like just in general, different cultures retelling stories from other cultures. I don't think it's inherently problematic. I just think the way that we go about it and the way that we prioritize it and dismiss other cultures movies is where the problem is. And I'll call it there. Nice. Right, yeah, I was just going to say the internet is a big place. Do you do diligence, share things that you love? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do you got, Josh, any, you do answered... you got any more good ones? I was going to say, do you have any good ones that you want to answer? Yeah. Cause you have way more than yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to scroll to the bottom cause I've been going from the top and we're not going to have time for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I found this one really interesting. And this was the first question that came in. This is from Thales. Oh, why do people still care about zombie movies? Oh, you first, Josh, you first, because we, we kind of took the lead the, the last two yeah. times. I don't know. Um, I think when there's like truly great moments in those movies, they become not about the zombies. That's what I was taught in school was like, it's never about the zombies. A lot of zombie movies these days are about the zombies. But um, I know all I have to say is Sean's mom from Shaun of the Dead or the dad from 28 Days Later. And like your heart's broken. Yeah, I yep. agree. I agree. Just in general. There's uh so I'll say I'll say that uh you know George Romero really created the the concept like of what we know a zombie to be. Zombies before that were not the neighbors eating flesh, whatever. It was very like witch doctor person taking over somebody's body. So I think every new zombie movie is kind of like a continuation of a world that we already have, even if it's made by somebody else. It just feels like this is the world that zombies exist in. The outbreak might be a little bit different, but I think that there's just an endless amount of stories and things that you can touch on there. And I think that 
it just at its core, the concept of your friends and loved ones becoming flesh eating monsters is just one of the most in, like uh, terrifying things that we can imagine. And I don't think it'll ever lose its merit. Yeah. Agreed. What do we got hey, next? Okay. I, I'm, I'm just agree. I don't have a lot to, <laughs> yeah. to put into that. Yeah, one. yeah. So, so I know we only have time for a couple more here. This mm-hmm. is one that I really, really, really need to answer. Um, okay. And then I don't know how much time we have left. Um, but it's looking like eight minutes. Um, and I just want to invite you guys onto haunting season to continue answering questions. Um, so, like, let's book a time and let's just continue through these questions because this Deal. is absolutely. So much fun. Um, yeah, but I yeah. wouldn't change anything about the last hour. Um, yeah. so okay, so this is uh I'm gonna butcher this. It's not to say <laughs> Roselli or just a boring gold cannibal. Um <laughs> if I, I'm on the browser, so it shows like people's real names, but then you hover over it and then like, oh, okay. Um, so this person said, if you could change one cliche in a movie, make it a different one, or even remove it all together, what would it be? I was super triggered by this, super, (laughs) super triggered because there is one thing above all other things that I would just erase from horror movie history. Do it. What? It's bones cracking all over the bodies of every single ghoul in the last 10 years of movies of like the neck moves. And it's like, yeah, there's not that many bones in the fucking body. (laughs) There's not that many bones in the fucking body. And it doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me at all because I've seen it 800 million times. I'd rather something be silent and gliding towards me. I will crap my pants. But if I see right now a ghost on the other side of the window and it's like bones crack, I'd be like, Fuck you, dude. Fair. Fair. <laughs> over. It's okay. So I think it, so it, bones cracking. And I think the sounds of your body, like uh, it gets under a lot of people's skin. So I understand why it's super popular, but you're, you're right. It's really overused. And, and that's fair. My answer is I'm so fucking sick of mimic. I'm, I'm going to put two things together. I'm sick of mimics. I'm sick of like monsters that are just like reflections of yourself that are super whatever. And I'm sick of shadow creatures that are often very mimicky. I'm tired of people fighting their own shadow, fighting their own inner demons. Like I'm over it, man. It's, I don't need any more of it. It was totally a valuable concept. I'm done with it. That said, Annihilation and Babadook are the first two films that come to my mind, and they're both phenomenal. So I just want to throw that out there. Well, so I wouldn't say that those are exactly that. Even, dude, at the beginning of... What's an example? Dude, the the beginning of Malignant was like that. Dude, Lights Out was very just like... Like at least you might find out later that a creature is something else, but for most of the movie, it'll just be like a very humanoid black shadow. I just can't. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, shadow people, we get it. Gins, I don't know. That's not. Yeah, that. it's kind of the same. Yeah, but they the movie Gin is very like I don't know. Either way, Steve, yours. I don't. I can't. I was trying to think of one while also listening to you guys, and I don't. I can't think of like a cliche in horror that I don't like that. I wish would change. Like there's just I don't know. Like my perfect horror film looks a very specific way, and Mm -hmm. I think that everything that's done in a horror film, you know, in in different kinds of horror films, have their own merit to them. Um, and I feel like I don't, I haven't watched a lot of things recently that have the same, like, cliche thing that I would want to change, if that makes sense. Let's, let's stop 
making trailers that show too much of a movie. That'll be yeah, my cliche thing. There you go. Let's start. I I I love uh, trailers that either bullshit you or take you on a, a different experience than what the movie actually is. Like, let's uh, make trailers trustable again. Two K twelve. Two K twelve. Two K If you're gonna take CGI from Fincher, you should take movie trailers from Pixar. They never tell you what the hell's going to happen. And you show up and you're like, yes, yes. Thank you. I support this message. That's fair. Well, listen, I know, I know we don't have a lot of time left, so let's call it there. Let's Mm -hmm. uh, let's bookmark this and and do this on another time. Let's answer some more questions at a later date. Um, While we do have to wrap up, Josh, thank you for being on our podcast Um, again. Haunting season. Is is that your handle on everything? I know haunting season. It's my handle like on everything. Fuck yeah. That yeah. makes it so much easier. The so only thing Twitter, me, yeah. there's like an underscore, but I don't use Twitter because it sucks. Do you have oh, we'll agree? We'll agree to disagree there, but it's fine. Sean Morgan. <laughs> we we didn't prep for this at all, but I'm just realizing, Josh, do you have two mostly and one horror or two horror and one mostly oh, recommendations? Yeah, yeah. We got we gotta get your mostly you didn't, horror. We didn't prep you at all prep, for this. Okay. Two horror movies that you think people need to see. It doesn't need to be the best. It could be this year, and then one non-horror movie. And that's I think people need to see uh, Jack Brooks Monster Slayer, and um, the other horror movie would be anything for Jackson. I've just been obsessed with that one this year. Um, And then non-horror. If you haven't seen the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's exactly the same movie it was in the 80s. Don't watch that movie. Go watch (laughs) it tonight. I'll cheers to that. Oh, my God. Again, Josh, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, man. Haunting season on everything. And we'll uh, we'll chat soon for sure. Goodbye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Mostly Horror early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin' Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin' Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.